You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. From the Pacific to the Rocky Mountains and around the world, you're listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast, episode 306. We are three real-world, everyday developers who make a living PHP programming language, writing tomorrow's legacy code today. We live stream every Thursday night around 9 p.m. Pacific time, and you can participate in that live stream by joining us in our Discord at discord.phpugly.com where we and a bunch of our listeners hang out throughout the week and continue this little party, What's Up Discord. We'd like to thank a few groups for helping make this stream just a little better. First, our Patreons on Patreon. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash phpugly, where we have support levels starting at a dollar. We also have a couple of sponsors, honeybadger.io and Cloudways. We'll talk more about all of them a little later in the show. And of course, none of this would be possible without PHP Architect, where me and John and several of our developer friends work. If you're a PHP developer trying to stay current or just enjoy learning things like coding patterns, best practices, and other development topics, check into getting a subscription to our monthly PHP Architect magazine. When you sign up for a yearly subscription, you unlock our entire back catalog of magazines dating back almost 20 years of release. If this is your first time watching us live on YouTube, hello and welcome. You can also subscribe to a cleaned up audio version of this podcast in whichever podcast service you use. If you're listening to us on the audio version, think about joining us live and subscribing to our YouTube channel to get notified when our stream goes goes live. You can do that at youtube.com forward slash phpugly. Please keep in mind, pants are optional, but a sense of humor is required. Your hands and arms should remain in at all times and enjoy the ride. Allow me to introduce myself. I am your humble host, Eric Van Johnson, and with me tonight, the aforementioned John Condon. You are right. This opening is getting longer and longer and longer. <laughs> and Tom Rideout. Really starting to drag. My podcast, I can do what I like. Mm. That is true. <laughs> he says, Don't knowing like that I can't get to the director controls right now for some reason. <laughs> How's everybody? So, John... Yes. You decided to butt your way into my intro, but did you know in December we would hit 20 years of PHP Architect releases? I did not know that. It was December of 2020 or 20, 2002 was the 2002. first. Hmm. December 2002 was the first release of PHP Architect, the first public release. So we, we don't know if they did any like uh, beta testing or anything back then, but. Yes, the first public release was December of 2002. So we are quickly approaching 20 years. I stand corrected. I, I You do. I had 2002 in my head. I just didn't know what month. <laughs> so yeah. so Tom, close. why are we running late today? No, no reason. <laughs> okay, we should move on, I guess. <laughs> Killing me. It's been, it's been a hard day. Everybody who who gets into programming knows that there is going to be one of those days where you get nothing done and work the entire day. And my eyes hurt and my brain hurts. And it has just been one of those days where 
I was working on a ticket, supposed to be simple, and discovered a bug, can't resolve it, brought in another developer, couldn't resolve it, brought in another developer my whole day, just reading lines and lines of code, trying to figure things out. It has just been one of those days. And so I have been drinking accordingly. Have you been encouraging writing a test to prove there's a bug so that when it's fixed, you know it's fixed? Oh, yeah. But we can't find the bug. Like, we, we, that's a thing we have. We know that the bug is still happening occasionally. It appears to be a race condition with a React front end and an API back end, but we still can't isolate why it's happening. It is frustrating to say the least because it like, it'll happen nine out of 10 times, but the 10th time works perfectly. It's not the other way around where one out of 10 times it fails. No. Saying, it sounds like a much bigger bug. It <laughs> is. Failing nine it out of 10 is times. a much bigger bug. And my ticket not related to the bug at all, but my ticket is now blocked for a bug that I have discovered that is driving me slowly insane. Race conditions will do that to you. Uh-huh. We've been fighting one for forever, and we keep trying to put little patches in, like, maybe it's being caused because of this, but we can't prove it because race conditions are just that way. Well, and that's the thing about like doing a single-page application where you've got a React front-end and an API backend, that's where introducing the possibility of race conditions. Normally, API you know, stuff on PHP is synchronous. You can't have a race condition unless you really jerk something around. But because we've got a like, React I- front end, it can absolutely make 10 calls simultaneously and get the last one first. I like Fran's <laughs> suggestion, suggestion in Discord. They're like, hey, uh, maybe you should figure out why it's working the one time. Still, <laughs> Don't worry about figuring out why it's not working. Figure out with, why it works the one with time. With three developers on it, each one of us is taking that, that uh, different position of why does it work when it works. And I'll tell you, we can, we can actually get it to work more frequently if we put a breakpoint in the code. Which leads you to believe that it's... It is a race condition. A race condition. But we can't find the other calls. I got the fix for it's, you. Just, just program in a little weight somewhere in the code. Wherever you put the breakpoint, uh, uh, just, just a sleep. little weight above it. Just yeah, like sleep, sleep for just like a sleep. half a second. Yeah, yeah, like I would do a full two, three seconds. Just let, let's. Tomorrow's let's Friday, man. We're getting close to that being a, a totally <laughs> valid solution. <laughs> Tom's gonna come into work tomorrow. You know, my friend had this idea. It might be crazy, but maybe we no, should try it. No, no, no. See, see, other the other developers, they've heard of the podcast now, so I'll let them think that they came up with it after hearing this podcast and take no credit whatsoever. <laughs> Why is their response time all of a sudden cut in half? Correct. <laughs> yes. But it responds. That's what's <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, if you put the sleep in the JavaScript side, the React side, your response time from the PHP code is still going to be good. Well, yeah, and I'm not on the front end team, so I could say yeah. like, "Hey guys, what'd you do?" Yeah, like, why'd you why'd you do that? That's weird. That works. Although Git Blame keeps selling me out for everything I do wrong. You got to learn how to amend those commits. No, I mean I I have. <laughs> I'm just 
not emotionally there yet where I can just blame it on somebody else. But once again, tomorrow's Friday. <laughs> and I don't want to work all weekend. <clears throat> yeah. I'm on board with just pushing this off to my code buddy. What'd you, what'd you do, takes. man? Seems like the totally wrong way to do things, but fine. <laughs> get it through. I'm in the, the same boat, just trying to trying to get this month's magazine out. So there's tons to do there. What? You haven't released this month's PHP Architect today's the magazine sixth. yet? You know today's the sixth, right? I know What's today's the sixth. What's wrong with you? I know today's the sixth. Just got <laughs> we got the finalized articles from our authors late, late, late in the month, and then nice. it takes time. I, just, I got last month's uh, print issue in. Oh, just now? Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, a couple days ago. That's what happens when you when you submit it like really late. Yep. But, uh, well, print also just takes longer as is. Really does, man. I wish we could figure out a way to make that more efficient for our readers and for you, us. You know how to make it more efficient? Get the authors to submit earlier in the month. Get the layout done earlier in the month. <laughs> get everything ready a week before yes. the first of the month. And then everything comes out at the first of the month. And you guys go. are going to end up paying off all of our columnists, all of our columnists out there. John's had a lot on his plate. Just be a little understanding why he's frustrated. <laughs> what Tom? You guys are going to end up paying Oscar more in consulting fees than just buying the magazine outright. <laughs> Maybe he's been awesome. He, he answers my questions. He's I definitely will buy him a beer or seven in uh austin well so because stop yelling into your mic yeah dude you blow out hard because i don't know if that was the answer because this this bug that i found is not related to the ticket i was working on i've also got the ticket i was working on for several days and couldn't figure out why i couldn't get it to work so now i have have a high priority bug blocking my low priority ticket which maybe is done i just can't check until the high priority bug is fixed so i've had a whole week and i've tried to explain this to people many times i've had a whole week where i've gotten very very little done where i just i've just been chasing the dragon not happy about it i'm having a similar week where it's like i've got code i've got ton of code that I chose not to do TDD on. I, I knew what I needed to do. I was taking an existing a controller that is probably a thousand lines long, refactoring it into event sourced code. So I just spent a couple weeks ago, I got all that working. Now I'm going back and writing tests for it and ending up refactoring a lot of my code based on my tests. And it's just, I feel like I'm taking forever to get this done and frustrated because then I get lost in my own head. Like, well, I was doing it this way, but now I'm supposed to be changing how I'm interacting with these objects. It's just taking a long time. On top of that, editing a magazine. I've got bitten by the uh, mechanical keyboard bug. Listen to this. You know, actually very, very disappointed. I've been using Kinesis now for a while. Matter of fact, John, do you still have your Kinesis keyboard? Yeah, that's right here. It's connected to my Mac. Oh, you're using it? No, it's connected to my Mac. You you did not parse that sentence correctly. I knew immediately what he meant. 
I might need to. I might. I might need to trade you a keyboard because my keys are starting to wear down in this one, man. And I, I want. A, I want another one. Anyways, Kinesis actually came out with the keyboard, the new keyboard I was waiting for, which is basically this one but split. Which I am very excited when I saw that they is that just the moonshot releasing it. No, no, this is. I actually have a, a Moonlander. Moonlander. Uh, no, I used Moonlander for a while, and the reason I ended up getting the Moonlander was because I had envisioned doing a lot more remote development, and I wanted to have you know a split keyboard with me because I've fallen in love with my Kinesis. But the reality of it is, a, I don't do that much remote work, and then b, when I do hook up my Moonlander, it takes me a good day to kind of get back into the groove of it because I have the way the buttons are configured. There, there's there's reasons, but I really love my Kinesis. I really want the split one because one thing I did like about the Moonlander was that I, I can manipulate the two sides. Again, I'm a bigger guy with bigger hands, so I really wanted that. Anyways, I guess they released it and then immediately sold out of them. I'm like, son of a... Do you not know how the keyboard community works? Because it's insane. Is it? It it is. I will tell you. Right now, these are. uh, This is a box of thirty six cherry clear keycap or switches, unlubricated, Mm -hmm. no grommets, and this is this is my box of keycaps. It is Nautilus double shot PBT. It is not putting caps. The whole, like, the wiki on just the terminology you need to understand to get into the keyboard community has thousands of definitions. So it's funny you should say that, because when we were looking for a home, a new home, before we bought the one that we're in now, you know, we we had a realtor showing us places. We went to a bunch of open houses, but we also had a realtor showing us a bunch of places. One place we went to... We went into this room, which looked like it was set up to be an office, and it had a little laptop, no monitors, just a laptop and a lap- laptop monitor raised up on... It's like Taylor's you know, office. Raised up. And the guy, the person, I don't know if it's a guy or, or a girl, but the person <laughs> had like 50 keyboards in the office. Okay, so and it was I a mean, guy. Not, not, not just laying around. Like, they were hanging in the walls. They were all different types, like these small ones and minimalist ones and i told rebecca i'm like this person's got to be like a streamer or something like you don't have this many keyboards and not like review them or something like like i said like i said this this little this is a sampler i bought off amazon so it's just it's just got 16 keys 16 different types of switches that are all labeled this is the cheapest one i could buy they're all cherry mx switches this 26 dollars I could have spent $200 on testing every type of switch out there on the market. And I want you to listen. This is this is the green. Listen very carefully. I, I really don't want to listen to a bunch of keys, Tom. This is the cherry green. But we're going to. This we? is the cherry blue. So different. Why are we and doing that? You can you can you can choose from thousands. Of switches, and that doesn't even start with the keyboard layout or the keyboard case or what metal you're using for your plates. Tom, are you getting a new keyboard? I am getting a new keyboard. I'm actually making a new keyboard. That was one thing I wanted to do back when I was in college. I remember going and talking to one of my professors about like truly building my keyboard from scratch. 
and just never actually did it. I, I wanted to get into understanding how how the layout worked, and I, I had this vision <clears throat> of really just the the ten key mm-hmm. ha- having that separate because I was doing a lot of data entry uh, where I was working, and I just wanted a separate ten key. And sad, I never actually built it, but wanted to. There was a guy on the mechanical keyboard subreddit yesterday who posted his keyboard that had all of the alphabetical letters except L and then a control and an alt key. Okay. What's the thinking behind that? It's the same idea behind like people who are court reporters where you like, you you understand macros for certain keys. So he, he figured out that with they're called stenographers. Yeah. Steganographers. Steganographers. They, uh, Stenographers? Steganographers. What? Steg- yeah, anyways. No, keep it on. Anyways, he figured out he could get like two extra characters per minute if his L key was a macro that used three other keys. So he just built a keyboard that didn't have an L key on it and had a macro that... The community is one of the dumbest I've ever seen on Reddit. Have you seen the keyboard that that's just like these little fingertips that you just you just like move little joysticks around? Amateur hour. That only cost what two thousand dollars. I saw a person showing off a keyboard that cost one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I don't understand that. And they were and they weren't showing off the keyboard. They were showing off the sound the key made on a microphone, and it sounded the same as every other key that they. I just kind of like you did earlier. Yes. Just want to point that out. He's but you did it for $20, 26, 26 shipped and delivered. This person did it for $200,000. Well, it went up $50,000 in that very short amount of time. Well, you got to see the video. I mean, it goes, it goes in, inflation, Eric, not inflation goes way higher. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've been following the stock market, but it's terrible. All right. right I'm done with keyboards. Eric, I want to hear about your event sourcing week. How have you been doing? Oh, that? wow. I'm done with keyboards. That's just mean. Too much. <laughs> Why does that mean? I mean, is event sourcing going well this week? Yeah, it's Great. actually really well. I mean, I'm pretty much done. I'm pretty much done with the event piece. I had one last thing that John helped me out with this, this week, which is a weird little situation where I needed to update a record in the collection and I was not doing it correctly. And once he showed me how to do it, it was pretty straightforward. So, but, but that wasn't really event sourcing. I mean, it was in event source code, but it's just when you don't use collections that way, generally it's a learning curve, right? Just something new to learn. Yeah, yeah. It was my first time using the map operator. Like you talked about mapping over stuff in the past and I, I'm like, I understand it was, it's like a for each, but I, I never, never had, I never felt like I had a good enough use case to use it. And then lo and behold, a use case presents itself to me and mapped over my little collection, made my update to the piece of the record that needed to be updated and boom, stuffed it back into the stream and life is just gravy. So yeah, it's going, going well. I need to, um, I'm getting to the point now where I'm starting to circle back on my to-do list, which that's another thing I've got to say. It's the first time I've used it in a project. Never really saw, never really thought that it was a, that beneficial of a feature, but I've been using PHP Storm and PHP Storm 
I do these uh, to do's comments as I was going through this project because there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, exception handling that I need, need to catch. There's some questions about how we want to do validation, so I started adding these to do's to my code base as comments. And today I went to PHP Storm, pulled up the little interface to parse all my to do's, and started going through and checking off the ones that I completed. And that was that was a nice little feature. I've uh, never never actually used that before. So I will tell you something I've been holding back on you guys about. Where do I start with this? So with the dog, we got the new dog, and the dog is going through a lot of training, you know, housebreaking and actual training where we were doing classes with, with her. But this dog has horrible separation anxiety. Like, she needs to see somebody around her all the time. And if she doesn't, all sorts of bad things start to happen. So, you know, when I take her outside, I go outside with her. And initially, I was going outside and I was trying to, like, say, okay, well, you know, go do your business. Let's go back inside. I got to get back to work. And eventually, I'm like, you know what? Forget this. I'm going to start, I'm going to set up my laptop outside and I will work outside part of the day and inside part of the day. And the reason I was able to do this is because I, two, two things, well, really one thing is making it possible for me. I wish, I really wish they would consider being a sponsor because I would love to talk about them every week. And I just, you know, I just don't have enough reason to, and it's really a niche thing as well, but I've mentioned them in the past. I started using this product and it has a very, very generous, generous free tier called Tailscale. And if you're, I've talked about in the past, the different ways I've set up SSH back into my main desktop. So my main pop OS machine, my Linux machine, my main computer is a desktop. It's not a laptop. So I've been setting up ways to get kind of get back into it through SSH because, you know, this is where I do all my work. And with me and how comfortable I am at the command line, how comfortable I am with Vim, I was always perfectly comfortable just SSHing back into my desktop, not even worrying about cloning the repo down to my laptop. I just SSH back and do my work. But all the uh, all my little SSH setups were a little kind of clunky. Tailscale has made it so easy. And I, and I promise you guys, this is not a sales pitch for Tailscale. They're not a sponsor. I'm telling you, this is a product I use. As somebody who comes from operations, as somebody who's had to do this and has enough knowledge on how to set up SSH back to my home machine without it, Tailscale creates this flat network for you, not only making it possible for you to SSH back in, but everything on my on my desktop that I want to make accessible to the Tailscale network I have, it's accessible. So I'll explain why that's important here in a minute. But one of the other cool features, and I haven't tested this, this might not be true, but one of the other features I read about is that Tailscale is also smart enough to know that if you're on your local network, it won't even try to route you through Tailscale's network. It says, hey, you're on your local network. Let us just direct you to, you know, we'll just create your connection within your local network. So it's like this personalized VPN I have. And I have it on my Raspberry Pi. I have Tailscale on my iPad. So like when I'm out, 
And if all I do is pick up my iPad, I can fire up an SSH client on my iPad, get back to my machine, and get working. Fantastic. But add to that, I've been using the hell out of PHP Storm, or well, JetBrains Gateway. So we talked about this in the past as well. JetBrains was doing a couple of things to make kind of remote development a little easier. And we played around with this gateway. It was this JavaScript, this thin JavaScript client that runs. That has gotten so much better. There's still really? some like caveats to it. Yeah, there's still some caveats to it. Like I have I have my Vim in- installed on it. It's not like I know we've gone through it before, John, where e- either when we're doing code with me or doing gateway, like we'd install plugins. And the next time we go to use it, we have to install the plugin yeah. plugins again. That's not the case, at least not the case anymore with this gateway product. I assume it's the same thing with code with me because it's all using that thin client. We well, did I mean, not that long ago and it was still a pain in the ass. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Like the, the, I remember that. The Vim bindings just weren't there for me, and I didn't take the time to reinstall because I really just wanted to help real quick. I wasn't doing a lot of like actual pair programming. Right. So, like, like my Vim bindings work without problems, but I have another plugin on my local machine called WitchKey, which is this little kind of um, uh, pop-up dashboard. Your key bindings for your Vim key bindings. This is a thing. Which key is is a thing in the uh, Neo Vim world as well. I assume it's the same thing in, in Vim. Anyways, that's my setup outside. So I, I jump on my PHP Storm gateway connection back into here, working on the exact same code I am when I when I'm here at my desk, and every so. I'm using Lando. We talked about this in the past. I'm using Lando. Lando has these custom URLs. So that it does all your port management for you, but you don't have to worry about the ports because it gives you a custom URL for your project. And so you just use the custom URL. Well, again, when I'm outside on my laptop, I just create a uh, Etsy host entry to say this URL points to this machine and I give it the IP address on tail scale, just in case I am out and about by chance. I say, you know, this... This is on this machine, and everything just works. So I use the same URL I use here at my desk, same URL in Postman in my browser. It all resolves to my desk. It's just so beautiful. It is so – I am so happy with my setup right now. You got me so, wanting to do that. What do you yeah, – completely worth it. What do you do when you want to host it on production, though? This video is brought to you by Cloudways. We are all developers and love to write code, but managing the servers that that code runs on can be a time-consuming and error-prone process. Cloudways helps you spend less time managing your servers and more time doing what you really want, coding. You only need one account to manage servers on multiple platforms and for multiple customers. Pick just the server size and location that makes the most sense for you and your customers. You can even estimate your costs for your server before spinning it up. Cloudways offers peace of mind and flexibility so you can focus on growing your business instead of dealing with server management. With Cloudways, you get an optimized stack, managed servers, backups, a staging environment, integrated Git, pre-configured Composer, 24-7 support, and a choice of five different cloud providers, Amazon Web Services, DigitalOcean, Linode, Google Cloud, and Vulture. Get a discount of 20% for three months using the code PHP 
A-R-C-H. Check them out today. Thank, Thank you, Cloudways. Thank you, Cloudways. Hey, Eric. Does your shirt what? say, this is Bushit? This is Bushit. <laughs> I got a story behind this. This is this is the first mini Halloween t-shirts I have. My wonderful, wonderful, attentive, and caring wife has somewhat of a of a, of a, of a shopping problem. <laughs> Interesting lead-in, but cool. (laughs) And she bought me a few things for Halloween. So first off, I I decided I was going to have a Halloween costume. I I told her, you know, what I wanted to be. And she got me some, some, you know, necessities for it. So that was cool. That had nothing to do with any of these t-shirts. Are you going to be a chess cheater? But, But when... When <laughs> just, a, just walk around a, with a little vibrating it's a really, noise. No, no, it's just a really <laughs> subtle joke where you're like, no, I'm just really good at chess, uh, and don't don't mind any sudden movements. <laughs> Anyways, so when she got me the stuff for my costume, she got me a couple of t-shirts. My wife enjoys holidays, and I love that about her because I. I enjoy holidays, but I don't enjoy like the decorating piece or any of the other stuff. I, but I love it when people do. And my wife is <laughs> See, one of those people. You, who you enjoy other people enjoying things. I enjoy other people putting the work into yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the last time you put up a light, it ended up on Google Maps, and you were in a you were in a <laughs> bathrobe. So she got me some T-shirts, and in my head, I'm like, "Cool, I've got four shirts here." I'll wear a different Halloween t-shirt every week for the month of October on PHP Ugly. And I was fine justifying the fact that I had four t-shirts, actually, I think four t-shirts and one really nice shirt, that for a holiday that's like one day out of the year. It's not like even a major holiday in my book. No, it's a major holiday. Yeah. So it's not yeah, a real it it's not a real holiday. It's, it's just like it got, you know, it got several movies this year again. Okay, so anyways, I was fine justifying the purchase at that point. She comes walking <laughs> to my office the other day and says, I have a little bit of an issue. What's up? And she throws like another four t shirts <laughs> at me. I'm like, I don't have I don't I can't justify these. I can't wear I, them all. I'm literally going to have to do costume changes during a PHP Ugly show to wear them all. I have I have a significantly <laughs> worse scenario, which is that both my wife and I like to lie about what size shirt I wear. So I'll get four Halloween shirts that are all like 80s belly shirts for roller skating <laughs> that I will never once wear. Or you just stop lying about it. Except shirts that fit. Except in the bedroom. Hey, baby. All right, this back is to Cody. It's this. This back is Bushy. Also, I'm very tired. I talked about Postman and how I can use Postman my my laptop and have all the same URLs and everything, and it gets back to my machine again. John, if you want any help setting this up, let me know. But there's nothing to it. Like there's literally nothing to set up. It's you install this thing and it just it runs. It's so beautiful. But you let me know. I told you a couple weeks ago how Postman now allows you to fork repos. This was one of our biggest gripes when we were talking about Postman earlier about, oh, yeah, if somebody comes in and changes the collection, you're, you know, they screw everybody. Well, now that's not the case. You can fork your repo into your own, own workspace. workspace. Yeah. Yeah. 
And we, we've all been using that. And it's been very beneficial. I'm very happy to have it. Then today, I stumbled up upon the fact that you can actually back up your collections to either GitHub or Dropbox or a bunch of other things. I'm like, wait a minute. You can now back these things up as well? This now, is awesome. Now you know why they're charging so much for their service. Because they keep raising the prices. Yeah, no. We pay them, don't we? We do pay them. They should think about sponsoring us at Tech. HP Tech. Coming up. It's coming around the corner. Yeah. Can we talk we're, about... We're getting... We're, no, we're getting uh, call for speakers presentation or submissions daily. Call for papers. So, call for speakers if you... <laughs> we it's need a, speakers. It's literally a CFP. <laughs> Not ours. Ours is a CFS. Is it? You should rename that so people know what it is. I'm going to go to the website. I think you're lying to me. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it does say CFP on there. Just, I mean, I'm, so, yeah. where would they find that? <laughs> not, not to be pedantic, but that is my job. Tech.phparch.com. Click on speakers and say, ah, oh, he does say call for speakers is now open. Ha ha. It says I submit so. now. Look at that. Although the URL, cfp.phparch.com, will also take you to the uh, submission form. Right. I only anyway, go by URLs. If, if, if you're interested in uh, talking at a at a prestigious conference, go over and submit today. That's it. And then, then submit that talk to PHP Tech as well, please. <laughs> but You see what I did there, John? I did see what you did there. Please put that down. We implied things. What happened to uh, Discord there, Tom? <laughs> no, we uh, no it, there's about to be there's about to be something popping up there. Faux show. Uh, I don't know why it's my job to manage all this. Oh, I do. What's 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 been going on with your rib? How's that feeling? Oh, it hurts like so much, but I've discovered a leave double dual action, which is ibuprofen and aspirin, or ibuprofen and acetaminophen, and boy, that's great. But due to conflicting liver engagements, I can't take any tonight. I have, in fact, been drinking a little. No. <laughs> See, couldn't tell. you're not supposed to uh, mix ibuprofen with alcohol. Not so nah. That's one I of those, think that's like, more of a guideline than a rule. Yeah, for sure. I, liver is one of those things I'm not going to mess with. I mean, like, I, I, mess, <laughs> like I, mess with on a, I mess with enough that I'm not going to like further mess with it. Yeah. Well, gone. It's home. Anyway, I'm going to go back to PHP. I'm not because John, know, I am what you posted. You posted you publicly on Facebook. I'm going to call you out for this. And this is something that affects everyone. How's your heart feeling? Uh, I mean, like you, ta- you talked very openly about the anxiety I, of, I don't know if that was really public. <clears throat> I might have just been friends. But yeah, anyway. Facebook isn't like a public thing there, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how Facebook works. Well, A, I don't. He's new to it. <laughs> I talk a lot about my anxiety. I'm horrified for my trip to San Jose in October. We talk a lot about mental health. I think it's very important for us in this community to talk about mental health, the things that give us anxiety, the things that also keep us moving. And I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot. I'm right, sorry listen, for that. 
I'm I'm going to interrupt everybody here. What does your kid share? Spanish speaking kid know that he's about thirty seconds from being banned from Discord. How do we? Somebody needs to go and time out. How do we what get is, rid of that? Is this? I, I don't know if you can. That's freaking me out, man. Yeah, I got rid of it. Thank you. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I was, so I did. I did post. I, no, I don't mean to call. I don't mean to call you out. No, it's it's fine. I it's fine. But to me, I, mental health is like the biggest thing I have to deal with on a daily basis. And it seems like it's a big thing that you have to deal with too. Yeah. That's why I, I have you I, ever thought about just not worrying so much about it. Tom? Has oh, Hey, <laughs> Hey, look, my wife's on the call. That So yeah, it's, that's kind of why I shared on Facebook was I was so not celebrating, but it was four years since my heart attack and it just, it was on my mind and I wanted to share that. It's kind of always on my mind. It's a thing that's that happened. Almost always scared of, is it happening again? Is it going to happen again? When's it going to happen again? And who's going to be affected? And it's just a scary thing. So I posted out there just letting people know that we all put stuff on social media, usually to like, hey, I'm on vacation or, you know, the, the happy times. And I was just sharing that where I was at that moment. And, you know, there's nothing wrong. It's just a fear. It's anxiety. It's I don't go to my wife every time I'm having these thoughts because one, it would be annoying. But two, it's usually a quick thought. I go back to work. I don't think about it again. But there are times where I am. I talk to her and she, you know, she's always awesome to be there for me. It's just. just I I mean. We we talked about it in the past. Tom will bring it up a ton of times, but you know, I had I had a, you know my own little battle, health battles, and you know it's yeah, it's no joke, man. I mean, for me, the first couple of years was like you said, you're just waiting for for something to happen again. Mm-hmm. And for me, during you know, mine was cancer related, and I had to go through chemo and all that, and I'm fine now, and you know, life life is good, and I'm super happy. I'm I was able to be here with my kids as they grew up. I mean, it was a real possibility that wouldn't be the case, but I'm sure you have a similar thing as well, John, there, there's a designated time zone or a time where the doctor's like, you're not out of the woods. Like for the next five years, this thing could pop back up, you know, just like, just like that unexpectedly, just boom, you have cancer again and you're back in chemo. And so for five years I had to go get tested Every three months, I had to get a scan and get blood work done. And every three months, you know, you're biting your nails, waiting to get the test results back to make sure you're still testing clean and everything is still good. Because especially that first year, because it's like, well, you've gone through your chemo. We've done everything we can do. You look like everything. It looks like everything's good. Let's, you know, let's ride this out for a while and make sure that you're good. And that year turns into the second year and and you just think about it every time you go in and get tested it's like shit you know am i gonna i haven't been feeling good this week i i haven't been feeling good for the last couple of weeks is this happening again what's going on and and eventually you know you hit that threshold i you know, i got past my five years and and my doctor was very clear doc that i can't say i'm cured i understand you never cured of cancer no 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 so he was very clear. He's like, no, you're not cured. 
He's like, but you can say you're in remission now. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll take See, it at this point. And I think that that's, you know, time time heals all wounds. I think that that's why that's always going to be funny to me because it's been a long time. You were a man alone. Your partner gone. You had to stand by yourself. And it, who, who and it was hard. What, what, what conversations are we having? <laughs> I, I'm lost now. Can we go back to PHP okay. now? Yes. I think But I also wanted to thank you, John, for posting that because it meant a lot to me. Um, I have not had a life-threatening situation like you guys have. I just think I'm having one every day. So I get the experience of, hey, you're a giant faker and an asshole for all these people who actually have problems. Hey, you are until you're not, man. Trust me. John will contest to that. So, yeah. But hey, go. you know what? I'm glad that there's somebody on my side. When I do have an actual problem, there's somebody I can report it to. When you're in production, a thousand things can go wrong. You could deploy a bug in your latest release. Your background jobs can silently fail. Someone could trip over the network cable at your data center. And this all comes back to you. You need to know when bad things happen and be able to respond to them quickly. That's why we built HoneyBadger. It's easy to install HoneyBadger in your back-end applications and front-end JavaScript. It only takes a few minutes of configuration and you'll have monitoring done. That's because we hook into popular web frameworks, job systems, and the browser so that when any of them crash, we can automatically let you know. We ping your application from our global fleet of servers to let you know about problems with connectivity, latency, and SSL certificates. And we monitor your recurring jobs to see if any of them stop recurring. When there's a problem, we alert your team using the tools you already use. We can create issues in GitHub, Jira, and other issue trackers, and send notifications via Slack, PagerDuty, or other channels. When you click through, you'll be taken to detailed information on the error. You'll see things like request parameters, headers, user information, and the backtrace. Click on any line of the backtrace to view it in GitHub, Bitbucket, or your local editor. When you fix a problem, just mark it resolved and follow up with the affected user. That's HoneyBadger, where the monitoring tool for web developers who'd rather be, well, developing. Thank you, HoneyBadger. John, you've got some PHP for us. Give us some PHP knowledge. Drop it on me. It's not necessarily knowledge. I'm just sharing about my week because that's kind of what I do. <laughs> We're 45 For, minutes into this. I, <laughs> it's all about my week. I went flying last night. I'm happy. I, uh, I'm part of an ops team. I'm on call often. And sure as shit, 6 a.m. this morning, I'm getting, you know, like, hey, there's a problem. It might be to do with yesterday's release. Can you come help? And I'm looking, I'm like, this isn't, I don't think this is release related. I know, we know this issue exists within uh, the specific application where depending on time of day or some other factors, like the application just freezes for people. And it's because in the background, it's code I wrote years and years and years ago, looping over records in a database, trying to find a record that they can use. And it's time sensitive. You know, it's around contacts. Hey, can I call this contact? And if it's 5 a.m. on the West Coast, no, you can't call them. I mean, simple as that, right? <laughs> but it's so hard to do with raw SQL, although I did just open a PR to to try and uh, get those out of the query. But basically, I'm pulling back a whole set of records from the database, 
looping over them. Can I call any of them? If not, go get another whack of them out of the database. So just basically paginate. But the whole time, the front end is sitting there waiting like, I need some data. What's going on? Hello? Give me something. And eventually it times out, right? And every time I get customer service coming to me saying, hey, this bug is happening again, or there's this problem. And I'm like, no, it's bad data. So today they're like, hey, this problem's happening again. It's not bad, bad data. I've exported all of the data. I've checked all the phone numbers. They're all 10 digits. They're all good. Don't tell me it's bad data again because I'm sick of hearing it. <laughs> right? And I'm like, I okay, let me do some more research. And of course, I can't find anything because I I go to Logly. I can see that it, what the issue is as far as we're, we can't give them a record. And I can see it looping over all those records constantly, but I'm not logging the reason why. Did you say Logly? Yes. I haven't heard that name in a while. Oof. I didn't know they were still around. I, yeah. uh, Do you want to don't, don't want to sidetrack, but I'm just I'm so tired of how many third-party services there are for anything that could ever happen ever on a web server. It's just hey, exhausting. Well, yeah. Anyway, let me let me finish this and we'll go back to that. So I've realized I know where it's happening. I know something's happening. I just don't know what. I get frustrated. I quickly open a quick hotfix PR to say, at this point, just log the exception that's happening. I know there's an exception. I just, I'm not logging the error message for some stupid reason. I don't know why I'm not. What the hell's wrong with me? PR goes live. It still doesn't go into Logly. And I still, to this minute, don't know why it's not in there, except for the fact that at the same time I put it into Logly, I also put it into the notes of that record. And it was in there and I was able to figure it out. And it's when you start dealing with third-party services, it can be a pain in the ass. So by default, we use a third-party service that we use our credentials for. And then we handle the results and we say, okay, we can call this contact or we can't. But we also allow users to say, no, I have an account with this service. Use my my account. And then we have to say, okay, well, here's the, the results that we could get from them. Do you want to allow or deny? And of course they say, nope, deny, don't, don't call this person. But they don't realize that they did that. Now all of a sudden I'm getting calls at six in the morning saying, hey, there's a problem. And it wasn't my fault. The user used their own credentials and set up the service to say, don't call them. And now they're saying, well, why can't we call them? You told me not to let you call them. Well, I mean, good thing, good thing you logged it to the database as well, because what would be, you might not have ever been able to figure that out. Well, what I can't figure out is, I don't know if, I think I used reason. I don't know if that is a keyword in Logly where, it, oh no, I think I figured, I did figure it out, but I haven't tested it yet. I think I have a return character at the beginning of the error message. So it's nothing, enter key, and then the actual error message. And I think Logly must strip out everything from a carriage return on. Then they see a blank string and then they're like, yeah, we're just going to get rid of it. That's mm-hmm. my, that's my assumption. I haven't gone back and fixed that yet. I forgot about that. I got a humbling experience this week. Uh, John, John's aware of it, but since uh, John asked and Tom, this, this might humor you back to event sourcing, you know, I, I've made it very public record on the stream some of the struggles I've had with event sourcing and uh, getting it, you know, actually getting it implemented and understanding the benefits, which I'm not still not sure if I've seen, <laughs> but I've been told that you won't see until you've used the application for a while, which is fine. But a fellow 
PHP Arc, uh, Arch, PHP Arch employee developer. You own the company. It's Discord. up to you. I think I think they finally sold me an Arch, PHP Arch. But anyways, Frank in our Discord decided he thought that I needed another event stream and decided to code it up and did a much better job than I did very quickly. Like like in a matter of a day, he, he coded up a whole nother event stream. And unfortunately, John and I vetoed it because <laughs> egos. But <laughs> but I was actually very upset with how good he was at it. God damn it. I damn actually have had an issue with event sourcing where when you're using workers, you can quickly run into race conditions where you're trying to run two commands through the same aggregate at the same second. And they both pull up and they say, okay, I'm at uh, version Version, five. So they both say I'm at version five. They both try to push version six on and the second one's going to fail. Right. I'm so done with race conditions this this week. Well, that's just another thing we're dealing with all of a sudden. So now we have this huge PR in there that, will try to alleviate that in both workers will pull up version five. They will both try to write version six. The second one will fail and we'll be like, Oh, let me go get it back. So now they're going to get version six. And like I said, can I apply my changes on top of this? So now I'm version seven, hopefully yes. So I can just write to the database and be done. But it's just another thing you have to think about when you are dealing with events, not just events, but like, there's Roadrunner. There's what's the other synchronous runner? Uh, Swole. Swole, yeah. Like, every time I think about that, I'm just like, no, fuck you. Don't make this my problem. Like, this is absolutely going to create new problems. I don't want them. But this isn't a an event sourcing problem per se. I mean, it is. It's a multi-threading thing. thing. It's not even multi-threading. It's trying to protect you from updating records that you shouldn't possibly be able to update. So it's not always... I do it. It's an issue all the time in my code as it is because of active record. And it has nothing to do with multi-threading. It's not thinking of the possibility of being able to pull a record out of a database, change it, and write it back in two different places at the same time. I, I saw an article this week... That was just titled, is, is it a value object or is it a DTO? And it starts with... Oh, I saw that too. And it, star- it starts with like a snippet of code and they're like, is this a value object or a DTO? And the next paragraph is like, fuck you, you're fucking wrong. You don't know shit. <laughs> it's, it's neither. It didn't implement this interface or do this. So it's neither. It's just a piece of shit. You just uploaded a piece of shit. I'm like... And I'm not getting into event sourcing. You guys are all assholes. But, but that's not event sourcing. DTO is not event sourcing. No, but it was it was in neither is value object. It was in the context of event sourcing, and it was one of those I'm an event sourcing guys. Like they're doing like a 40 page opus or a 40 blog entry opus on event sourcing. But this one was just like, hey, you're gonna need value objects, but you're also gonna need DTOs, data, data transfer objects. And uh, you've also already done it wrong and should have given up much earlier. You don't know what you're doing. And here's four more pages about why you're wrong. Value objects don't ever return a modified version of the value. And uh, DTOs 
only return modified versions of the value. And uh, if you ever ask a DTO for the value of something, you're doing it wrong because a DTO only responds to an API. <laughs> I know I'm never so I'm writing a, anything a, ever again. I'm never writing new code. I'm going back to PHP 5.3. I'm definitely not not a purist. Like there's certain things I would like to see in How a value you, object. I would like it to be immutable. Data transfer object is nothing more than taking data from my system and making it compatible with a third party and vice versa most of the time. I mean, it, they can be used. We actually use it taking data from our code base, like maybe from a database record and transforming it into something that the front end can use. <laughs> so so it is still a DTO, but it's still treating the front end as a almost as a third party at that point. I mean, you need at this point you need a you need to put your hat backwards and say, "Yo, bro, I'm playing disc golf. I can't answer this right now. Like if you need help, call your instructor." It's I I'm so tired of the ultra strictness if when your I, if your I, value object has a DTO function to it, congratulations, you saved a file and a bunch of headaches. But like telling people that you have to have this line of separation where like no, your value object cannot have DTO functions is like it just feels nah, like I, such an asshole move. Like so make code I that works. So there's a part of me that agrees with you, and there's a part of me that says single responsibility where if that value object is going to transform for two, three, four different services, do you want all of those within that value object? Or do you want something that can take your value object and convert it for the specific use case that it should? You've completely lost me. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I'm not on board. With are you, the are, are you being serious? Or are you, are you joking? Or... I, I kind of get it. I mean, you did this. You your previous place, you dealt with APIs from many, many different financial services. But right? it was but it was a but huge they all had, mistake. Like it to, was a huge mistake integrating with multiple services? No, to try and to try and say that they're they were in any way comparable was a huge mistake. Well, I think that's I could totally if, if everyone if everyone was on board with an API spec, then absolutely like have well, a, okay. have nobody's a, on board no, with, no with one is. The, everything was fucking terrible. We had a soap client, we had a client that returned a two hundred no matter what, but had a status code in their JSON that was the actual status code. That that's we, my whole point of why you why your value object shouldn't implement an interface for each individual client because they're all going to be different. Where you have a DTO that says, "Oh, they gave me back a two hundred. Here's their payload. This doesn't fit my needs," and I throw an exception. Well, but in Laravel, our value object was just a copy of the the model. You realize Laravel isn't PHP, right? I know. And I can understand, I can, from what I learned about Doctrine in the last few months, I can understand that having a value object in Doctrine would make sense because it kind of requires them. No, it doesn't. Kind of does. No, it doesn't at all. Never been wrong before. Doctrine, doctrine uses entities, <laughs> not value objects. You can use a value object in Doctrine to take integer value in your database and transform it into a Boolean thing or take something out of your database and turn it into an enum, which is amazing. 
but, but if you have to make a require if, value objects, if you have to make a DTO for everything, no matter what, you don't. I swear the, to God, you. You're do. the artist in the. You're the artist in this picture. I got you're writing I, code. I got an exception for sending a value that could be stored as a string, as a string to an API endpoint, where it said you did not properly format your JSON. Because you sent this as a string, but it was an integer. But it it's it can only be an integer. I have gotten the worst but, kinds but of errors you can but imagine. That's not, your, that's not your code. That's their API and what they expect. But every to... fucking time, every time I integrated a third party API, there was some bizarro world chaos. I have I integrated twenty APIs at that company. And every single time there was some exception that was like, you can't do this in a in any kind of standardized way. That we but don't. that's where the DTO comes in, where you can say, but I so have I have it. So I have a DTO for every single instance. The value yeah, object makes meant it nothing. Awesome. The value object meant nothing. The value object means something to you. That's all that matters. So that you have really a you have a representation of what it is in your system. Here's my value object. Here's what it means to me. I'm going to now transform it in my so, DTO so that it works. I'm for this. the asshole. And yes, exactly. You you finally by figured not, it out. By not you get by it? not you being get it? the by not being the asshole and accepting any type of casting, any type of result set. I was the asshole. I was I should have been requiring highly linted JSON objects on every response. No. No, I'm not saying that at all. How you accept data is completely different than how you integrate with a third party. You cannot control them no matter what you try. And that's where something like a DTO comes into play. You can have it as a string in your system. It doesn't matter. You, how you handle your system is completely up to you. If you want to accept a string or an integer integer for a value into your API, that's great. When you're dealing with somebody else, if they want it strict, that's completely on them. And you have to be able to integrate with them. That's where the DTO comes in. You real, you should know when you're integrating that this field is an integer. Now you can cast. Oh, okay. So satisfy that. I have in theory, absolutely. If I make the same request to do to two different services and they return different responses, I should store that in the same way. But in practice, I have never, ever made the same request to two different services. Now, I've been asked to where they were like, hey, we want to send this set of data to here and here and get the same results back. That's not possible. Get the same like data translation. Like we want to we want to take you're getting you're getting data from a third party and you want to somehow bring it back into but something I, I you keep can getting asked locally. I keep getting asked to take data from a third party not a specific third party just either this one or this one but unify the results so they make sense in our system yeah. but that has so but that have, I've never that has never ever ever worked in the history of me ever programming to make the same yeah. like to make the same call to two different systems. Make the same, I have to make, make the I have call. to I have to differentiate. I have to say I made this call to this system and right, or I made right. this call to this system. Because they're different they're APIs. 
You create you create interfaces for each service, and you make the call. DTO normalizes the data as it comes back into. But your you system. can't normalize the data when it's from two different sources. Yes, you can. That is that is <laughs> definition of what a DTO. But I don't believe you can. I understand that that's the definition of what a DTO does. I'm saying it's never been achieved in practice. It so taking a super simplistic example. I call service A. Not a real world example. I'm talking about in practice. I'm just listen to me for a second. I call service A and I I ask for some data. I get back a full name, John Congdon. I call service B. I get back first name, John, last name, Congdon. I don't care how I get the data back from them. It's how I represent it locally. Now the DTO can either split it up into separate first name, last name, or combine the one from the other one and say, okay, I'm going to store full name. As is. Sure. So from the and first I, one, the that. DTO says, right, what's, where's that, the issue here? That, you can't make the same call because there are two different API endpoints. But that, that, that theoretical example, I have never experienced in real life. That, this, okay, how does this tie into event you need, sourcing, you, you may a, ask? You need it. You need how does this tie into event company. sourcing, you may ask? Is that if only you would have hired one. If <laughs> service B provides extra data, and service A provides extra data that they both provide different actual extra data that the other one doesn't have. Right. So how does your DTO handle the fact that one of them just returns null for every field and the other one returns a value for every field, but null for every other field. That's where when null when null is a valid value. So I'm so, now you're, now I have you're a lot of D- I have a lot of pent up frustration about the last you, job I had. You you just brought in event sourcing, which that's my that's exactly my beautifully point, is event sourcing seems like the only way to handle this, which is you your your DTO covers every case. No, you don't have a you're you don't you're not necessarily using a DTO in that case. In that case, I have. I can't tell. I'm making, I can't tell if I'm right or wrong now. <laughs> I'm not using a DTO in that case. At this point, I am using in what I how I do event sourcing is I have a command that says, "Hey, I want to issue a command to hit service A to get data." My event from that can store all the data it wants. How my aggregate brings that back in and stores it locally is a different topic. Now I have a separate command that says, "Hey, go hit hit service B, bring me back some data." The event can store everything it got back so that I can get it later if I want it. Now my aggregate will apply that and take what it needs out of it. So my aggregate is kind of acting as a DTO in that case. My command also is, depending on the event, am I trying to reuse the same event or am I using separate events? That is use case specific. But that was the only use case I had was failover systems. Uh, like I said, I think I think I have a lot of unaddressed anger towards my previous job. It APIs are Sounds like should we think are fucking worse. Should we think our patrons from I don't Patreon know are they point? even yeah, are they even like worth should. it at this point? <laughs> Tom's drinking again. D- ignore him. Thank you. Hey baby, patrons. it's October. Thank you. Thank you. October. We appreciate I you. Just- I should I should just put up a couple of the t-shirts my wife bought me as the background so I can write them <laughs> off. 
right. Sounds like there's next week. She'll have four more for you. It's all good. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Thank you, all of our supporters on Patreon. You know who you are. Your your name is currently on the on the screen. Well, I think the issue is that they don't know who the other ones are. Ma- machine learning in your DTOs. I like it, Fran. I. Fran's killing it. Not ready for machine learning stuff. It's been a it's been a wild month for machine learning stuff, and I am compiling a separate Trello board just for this. That video that you shared with the the uh, images was pretty wild. Uh, insanity, totally insanity. And Facebook and Google both released video uh, meshes now, or what are they called? Uh, I don't know. It's scary. Whatever it is, it's it's awful. It's terrible. I hate it. Can we talk about Laravel for a second? Of course. I've been the Laravel guy for some time in this podcast. What? Well, I, I think Eric is the Laravel guy. You're the Laravel. Excuse me. I've covered I've covered the weekly releases, the issues, the bugs, the haphazard. You're the doom and gloom guy. Yes, we know that. Oh, yeah, that. Um but man, I found myself just not caring. Uh, so the Laravel this week, there's two releases this week, 9.3.3 and 9.3.4. 9.3.3 got its own special release just because of Laravel precognition. Which apparently, if you write something that's good enough to be included in Laravel, they'll just use the name for it. So my project Laravel Biggest Dickus is in <laughs> process. I think my UUID got released too, didn't it? <clears throat> no, that was literally four weeks ago. Yeah. Are you yeah. sure? Yeah, four, four weeks ago. Uh, precognition is this thing where a uh, route stops before it hits the method so that it can hit up the request objects. Uh, well, now I'm trying to read Slack. Uh, Somebody needs to mute their phone. Also me. Yep. (laughs) Uh, So Laravel Precognition got its own release this week. It's a like a middleware thing that uh, just does validation. And if if validation passes, then it says validation passed and good job. And if it doesn't pass, then it throws validation errors and stuff like that. But it never calls the actual endpoint. I don't understand... Isn't there already guards? Available? Yeah, yeah. Don't really get why this right. is like a core component of Laravel now. Uh, and then like a bunch of general fix-ups to, to Laravel stuff. But but really, the story this week is I just stopped caring. I'm not using Laravel. If we're going to cover Laravel in the future, Eric's going to have to do it because I just can't fucking care. Also, I will it's be covering. I will be it. covering Laravel next week. For some reason, it bothers me, and I will continue covering it even though it is no longer something I use or want to use. I'm so confused. Thank you. Good to know. <laughs> this, this precognition thing, I mean, like, people... I, d- I just... I don't understand the mechanism by which anything is approved in Laravel anymore. Taylor tweeted today that he had, like, an idea for a change in the mailable attribute... And he was opening a poll for it on Twitter, but then released a whole new thing with no code review or anyone caring whatsoever. I don't 
get the release process for Laravel. I just don't get it. I don't want to get it. Sure would. And like, on that note, sure would like being rich though. And on that note, time to wrap it up. I think. I think, I think, I think that's it. That's, that does it. That's Eric's job. That's my job. Don't don't take my job from me. All right, that's going to do it for episode three hundred and six. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep it ugly. Keep it up. One, two, one, two. Uh, coming off the top. Y'all know how we do. Listen, I'ma drop a freestyle you can cherish. I'ma send a shout out to the host named Eric. Yo, he's never on some average shit. You know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate. I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song. Yo, shout the host name Thomas, cause he's never wrong. Yo, shout to John. You know that he's smart and quiet. Unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot. I'm about to do it like this, cause the people love me. Shouts out to PHP, the ugly It's called ugly cause it's not professional But I'm about to come through and bless it with style So let's do it when I'm spitting, I perfume the room Yo, the segment of the show is called Doom and Gloom That came from Thomas, yeah, can nobody go beyond this I get the mic and then I'm about to keep it like a promise Yeah, and y'all know we fill them up with anguish We talking about the PHP, the programming language About to break it down, no exaggeration What do y'all do for a living web application? Okay, I can dig it, my words spray tight Uh, they getting together on the Thursday nights Yeah, when it comes to rhyming, you can call me the new dude I spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on YouTube So let's get it, you know my lyrics are major All up in the comments, they got plenty of haters But they doing what they doing, keep it ugly We ending every show with the saying it's lovely Let's go Yeah, come on